ESPN Daily is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Jeff Passan, I'm not surprised by this at all, but I understand you've been spending a lot of time around minor league games these days. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> minor leagues are pretty much where I belong. So might as well uh, take in some of the sights and sounds. Well, while standing or sitting where you belong, there was one particular at bat you witnessed that I'm kind of curious about. Can you tell me what you saw? I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, Izzy, watching the Charlotte Knights take on the Durham Bulls. And I was there to see Liam Hendricks, the Chicago White Sox closer who uh, was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin lymphoma and hmm. was making his comeback. And Liam Hendricks was in the late innings of a game and there was one out and two strikes. And he threw an exceptional pitch. It was 95 miles per hour. It was on the outside corner to a right-handed batter. It was thigh high. It was perfect. And the batter just stood there frozen. And I was expecting to hear the umpire say, strike three, two outs, game almost over. And then there was silence. And that silence was surprising to me because it looked like a great pitch. Looked like a perfect pitch. But there was one problem Izzy. And that problem was that it was Thursday. Huh. And you would think that the day of the week should have nothing to do with whether a pitch is called a ball or a strike. Right. But at AAA this year, Major League Baseball is running an experiment. And that experiment is going to potentially shape the future of what big league games look like. On Tuesday through Thursday, all AAA games, balls and strikes, are being adjudicated fully by the automated ball strike system for MLB. In other words, robot umpires hmm. are making all the calls. And on Friday through Sunday, every game is using that automated system, but they're doing it with a twist where umpires behind home plate are making all of the calls, but if a player doesn't like the call, he is able to challenge it. And the consequence of this, you know, I, I figured I was going to go to Charlotte and I was going to see what the future of baseball looks like, uh, you know, whether it's one system or the other. But I came away from it with less clarity than expected. Uh, I came away with a lot of questions. And the biggest one of all of them was, do robot umpires really make baseball better?
In the words of Major League Baseball, it's called the Automatic Ball Strike System, or ABS. But for most of us, it means one thing. Robo-umps. That fraction of an inch difference between ball and strike? Those calls can now be handled not by the fallible human umpires we all love to second-guess, but by a computer that's not even on the field, never gets tired, and never has an off night. But as the league creeps closer toward embracing robot overlords, many in the sport are asking themselves, what is the cost of accuracy? And are we willing to pay it? So today, Jeff Passan explains why this proposition is about more than balls and strikes, and tries to discern if human error in baseball isn't a bug, but a feature after all. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Friday, May 26th. This is ESPN Daily. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Well, Jeff, I don't know if you can hear that, but I believe that sound is former host of this podcast, Pablo Torre, experiencing the worst FOMO ever because he is very much (laughs) a fan of robot umpires. But let's just start with the basics here then. This robot umpire system baseball is currently testing, it's called ABS. What exactly is this thing and how does it work? It is a 12-camera system and each of those cameras shoots at 330 frames per second. So super duper duper high speed cameras. And the cameras are fed into a computer and that computer spits out within essentially less than half a second (laughs) a call of ball or strike based on a zone that is defined as the top end being 51% of a player's height, the bottom end being 27% of his height, the width of the plate being 17 inches, which is exactly how wide a home plate is. Hmm. And there is a two-dimensional plane in the middle instead of some big block of cheese, as we call K-Zone on Sunday Night Baseball. And the company that uh, produces this is called Hawkeye. It's the exact same company that does shot spot technology in tennis. And tennis has become a fully automated sport when it comes to line calls. And Yeah, tennis is actually exciting on that, Jeff. I mean, every time they have a line call, you get the fans clapping and it becomes kind of a moment in those tennis matches, doesn't it? Exactly. And that's what baseball, I think, was looking for in this A-B testing of these two systems. Like, full ABS 
is yes, the robot overlords have taken over and they are better than you, mere human being who's using something like eyes. What a what a quaint <laughs> notion using eyes to track a ball. And then there's the challenge system where uh, it's very simple. Uh, either a pitcher or a catcher on the defensive side or the hitter at the plate taps his head after the call is made. And within 10 seconds up on the jumbotron at the stadium, you see a view from the catcher's perspective starting off of a ball coming in and a trail coming behind it. And the camera slowly pans to the pitcher's perspective. This would be where the crowd is clapping in unison if this was a tennis match. <laughs> yeah, you get that You get that two-dimensional rendering with a little circle that shows whether the ball was in the zone or not. And depending on what the call is and depending on which team it is, you either get boos or you get cheers. It's kind of a moment, actually. Right. It's pretty cool. So tell me, Jeff, about the differences whether it be strategy or just opinions of the full ABS system versus the part-time or challenge system? Well, the players with whom I spoke, the managers with whom I spoke, the on-field personnel kind of hate full ABS. Huh. There's a romanticism about baseball to the people who are involved with the game, which frankly, I'm glad to see that they're not cynical about where baseball has gone as a game. And they like the idea that human error is always part of the game and that as much as calls can be blown and as important as those calls can be, especially when they're in high leverage situations, well, that's what the challenge system's for. The embrace of the challenge, uh, really like the full-throated embrace by the people who are on the field, I don't know that it surprised me, but they are like on board with it. It's, really? I, I think that, it, yeah, I think that if ABS Challenge came into Major League Baseball tomorrow, that most of the players and most of the on-field personnel involved would be like, you know what, like this is a decent compromise. This is this is a half measure. You know, Walter White says no half measures. Right. This is a half measure that actually works. But once you do that, you open up the logical Pandora's box, right? You begin to say, well, if we can get all of these calls right, mm -hmm. why wouldn't we? Like, why wouldn't we go down that path? Why would we limit ourselves to three challenges per team per game when if an umpire is having an off night, he may miss six or seven or eight calls, some that are in, I don't know, the ninth inning, two outs, two strikes. Like, it can, you know, if we can take away the error, why wouldn't we? It seems illogical to want to be perfect only some of the time. <laughs> and and that is a very fair and straightforward way to put it. And I I have a tough time arguing with that rationally, Izzy. But this isn't just a rational discussion. Hmm. This comes down to some emotional components of the game as well and some skills that are involved in the game 
And that's where this gets a little bit tricky and a little bit messy and really does not appeal to the players. Okay. I'm very much interested in talking about this element of it because it sounds like one of those issues is framing of pitches. Am I right? Yeah. So for for those unfamiliar, framing is the term that's used for catchers who are essentially trying to dupe umpires. Right. If a ball is two inches off the plate, Izzy, catchers are so deft with their hands (laughs) that they can catch it and make it look like it went over the plate. And, And we have to remember what we're talking about here. This isn't the 1950s or 1960s where balls are traveling 80, 85, maybe 90 miles per hour over the plate. We're living in an era right now where there are more guys throwing 100 miles per hour than ever before, where the average fastball velocity is higher than it's ever been, where there's a new classification for a pitch called a sweeper. And it's called that because it essentially moves from one side of the plate to the other side. We're talking sliders with 20 plus inches of break. We're talking curveballs that have 25 plus inches of drop. The idea that umpires are getting as many of the calls right as they do is a testament to just how good they really are right now. But even as good as they are, they're still not robots. Well, I do want to get to those those numbers with you, Jeff. But I do want to have this discussion about framing pitches still because is it not just cheating? Is it not <laughs> just a way to fool the referees or the officials into believing that something happened that didn't happen? You don't have this possibility in any other sport where you're having a basketball player try to convince an official that the ball went through the hoop or a football (laughs) player trying to convince an official that the ball crossed the goal line. We have cameras for that now and we have eyes. So why is it that they're hanging on to this as a possibility for a catcher? Israel Gutierrez, one man's cheating is another man's artistry. (laughs) And that's the way that catchers and frankly, pitchers and hitters as well Look at what guys do behind the plate. What we were able to do when we had these increasingly powerful camera and radar-based systems was quantify how good catchers were at stealing strikes. Hmm. And conversely, how bad some catchers were at turning strikes into balls because of the way that they were receiving pitches. Maybe I'm so deep into baseball, having done this for 20 years now and having talked framing with as many catchers as I have, that I'm one who who falls for artistry. Maybe I'm the guy who looks at, at the shark in a tank of formaldehyde <laughs> and says, that's art instead of that's weird. Right. But I, I look at the way that catchers work on their framing and I look at just how much of a difference it can make in a game and over the course of a season. And I say, as somebody who loves baseball, I don't want catchers to turn into hit and throw automatons. Right. I don't think that the catching position is necessarily one that should be 
just the ability to hit the ball really hard and really far and throw guys out on the base paths. I like the idea that a catcher is going in there with a purpose every inning. And that purpose, as Evan Scow, the the White Sox AAA catcher said to me, he's like, I don't see this as batter versus pitcher. I see this as me versus the umpire. Hmm. It's one of those little games within the game that makes baseball such a rich and interesting tapestry. Okay, so the umpires already have to deal with the difficulty of framing pitches, but they're still really good at what they do. So talk to me about what the ABS numbers so far in AAA have taught us. Are the robot umpires significantly better than the current umpires? Do we need the upgrade? You know, when this testing started out last year, the the challenge ABS system at AAA, I thought that players were going to be really good <laughs> at challenging. I figured, you know, 70, 80%, like they're going to use these on blown calls by umpires and it's going to make it worthwhile. Uh, turns out, Umpires are pretty good. <laughs> and right now, 5.4 challenges per game are being used. Okay. And those challenges have been successful only 44% of the time. Hmm. The game I saw, players were 0 for 5 in their challenges. Wow. Major League Baseball umpires' accuracy rate last year was 97.6% according to metrics provided by the league to umpires. Now, that seems higher than what it is in reality. And it is because umpires receive a two-inch buffer zone mm. around the rulebook strike zone. And they're really penalized only for those egregious misses, you know, pitches that are four or five, six inches off the plate that are getting called strikes. Right. So I, I think the challenge system would exist to make sure that those bad misses are taken away. And mind you, there is also a game theory element to this, Izzy, yeah. that I really dig because it's those pitches that swing counts to me that are the most fascinating ones. Huh. And that are the ones that if this ever gets implemented at the Major League Baseball level, you know you're going to have analysts who are preaching to the coaching staffs you need to tell your guys not to challenge, for example, on 2-0. It doesn't matter how egregious it was. Hmm. There's a chance, there's a chance that he sees it wrong and you waste the challenge there. Whereas the difference between uh, a 1-0 pitch and an 0-1 pitch, uh, just in terms of uh you know, weighted on base average. Like that's a that's a hundred points right there. And so the idea that ABS challenge can teach us to make better decisions and to understand context within account, I I think puts the onus on players to be smarter because managers, coaches, nobody else is allowed to do this. This is players making strategic decisions in the moment, decisions that can swing the course of a game. And this is baseball, and part of the reason for these potential robot umps is the framing of pitches, which, as I said earlier, just a fancy way to say cheating. <laughs> so I'm curious, have baseball players maybe figured out a way that this could open a Pandora's box of cheating as well? 
Yeah, there's some concern at the league hmm. that teams are so good at relaying information. All we have to do is look at what happened in Toronto with Aaron Judge. Okay. All right, Buck. So you and I looked at each other at the same moment right when we saw this yeah. three pitches ago. Watch what he's looking at. Yeah. What is that? Where is he looking? Where is he looking? And he did and it more than once. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really unusual. Jay Jackson, the right-handed pitcher for the Blue Jays, was tipping his pitches. And you, you've seen that freeze frame of Aaron Judge with his eyes all the way to the right, seemingly looking at the first base coach or the dugout or in that general vicinity, looking almost like a kid who's been caught by his parents doing something that he's not supposed to. But you and I both looked at each other when yeah. we saw that. Like, like did you see what I saw? Yeah. And... The pitches were being relayed to Aaron Judge. So even though you are supposed to call for a challenge, Right. In the moment, if you're the catcher, the pitcher, or the hitter, you know, you can see a scenario in which technology is used inside of the dugout to say whether ABS thought a pitch was a ball or a strike. Hmm. And that information being relayed in real time somehow through signals or like, I don't know, bangs on a trash can to a guy who's standing <laughs> in the batter's box. MLB is rightly concerned about that because, of course, the Houston Astros and the, the consequences and fallout of that. And honestly, I think there are people at the league who ask themselves the question, how do we stop that? And they don't have a very good answer to it. And so in the calculus of deciding whether ABS, full ABS, or, or particularly in this case, ABS challenge belongs in Major League Baseball. That's one of the data points they're going to use. Right. And it definitely will fall into the nay category. After the break, we turn our attention to the biggest problem in baseball and how robo-umps might be able to solve that one too. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot. 
taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Okay, so it sounds like umpires are still very good at their jobs and the accuracy isn't really in crisis at the moment. But hot topic in baseball over the last several years has been the strikeout rate. There's a belief that more strikeouts make for more boring games. I'm of that belief. But the strikeout rates continue to rise. Jeff, is there a way ABS might help solve that issue? Potentially. And that really is the goal that Major League Baseball is focusing on right now. Can we kill two birds with one zone? Because what is the strike zone, right? If you look at the rule book definition of the strike zone, it is the area between the shoulders and the belt, right in the middle, so essentially the letters, down to the hollow of the knees across the 17 inches of the plate. But it's never been that, has it? Well, I mean, you know, it's been changed like five times throughout history. And at one point it was up to the shoulders. And yeah, letters used to be a strike. (laughs) Now, no, it's like belt to the bottom of the knees. And it's a small zone. It shows you how great pitchers are that they can operate with a zone that that small and still be as effective as they are. And that's just owed to the nastiness of the pitches that we're seeing. And it's become, as the NFL has become a much more offensively oriented game, as the NBA has become a much more offensively oriented game, as the NHL has become a much more offensively oriented game, baseball has seen the defensive side and the prowess of it rise demonstrably. And so, yeah, they want to get rid of strikeouts because the fewer strikeouts you have, the more balls you have in play, the more balls you have in play, the more action you have. And if you can somehow figure out a zone that encourages batters to put the ball in play and discourages strikeouts from pitchers, well, I mean, that's the ideal situation in the ideal scenario. And it's why minor league baseball is a testing ground for what major league baseball wants to do is such a fascinating concept. MLB took over the minor leagues a few years ago. And when that happened, That is why we have the pitch clock right now, because they were able to test, they were able to iterate, and they were able to figure out, hey, this works, and it is going to be replicable at the big league level. And that, I think, is the next step of ABS, different zones at different levels Hmm. to see if one of them actually clicks and does what MLB is looking for in terms of strikeouts. But there may not be a solution here. This may be one of those situations where you test and you test and you test and none of your hypotheses turn out right and you end up back at the drawing board with ABS a failure in terms of being able to change the dynamics of the game and where it's gone, but still a success in terms of getting balls and strikes correct or allowing hitters, pitchers, catchers 
to get missed calls correct. But is that enough? That's the question people at baseball are asking right now. Is that enough of an incentive to take something that has been a part of the game, ball and strike calls being in the hands of umpires, umpires who are now doing it better than they ever have before, especially the younger umpires who are coming up, having grown up in this system of zone evaluation, where they are told every time they are behind the plate exactly where they missed, and they're able to better improve their strike zone because of it. Is that right there enough to fundamentally change baseball? So it sounds like there are still philosophical discussions about it, even though it's been tested at the AAA level. So if MLB does decide to move forward with ABS in whichever form, what are the next steps and what's your sense of the timeline? The next steps are pretty simple. In the most recent collective bargaining agreement, MLB negotiated for a 45-day window to implement any on-field rule changes it wants. Now, it needs to take those rule changes to a competition committee that's comprised of league officials, uh, as well as four representatives from the Players Association. And those representatives from the Players Association make recommendations. MLB, if it wants, can completely ignore those recommendations and can just say, we're going to be putting this into place this year, and this is the new reality. And as we saw with the pitch clock this year, at first there were some complaints, but for the most part, players kind of dig the clock, and they appreciate the fact that nearly 30 minutes has been shaved off the average game time. But I, I don't think that the effect in the league's eyes is necessarily as tangible with ABS as it is with the pitch clock. The pitch clock to the league was an absolute no-brainer. ABS needs to be vetted by owners, and there needs to be some convincing going on if MLB takes that step, that this is the best version of the system and the best use of the system we're going to get. And at this point, I'm not sure that enough testing has been done to satisfy MLB in terms of that. Now, maybe by the end of the year, once there's more data about full ABS versus ABS challenge at AAA, MLB will be more comfortable with that. But at this point, if I were a betting man, I would bet that we're not going to see ABS in MLB in 2024 and that if there is something that's going to be implemented, the earliest we would see it at the big league level is 2025. But Jeff, if and when it arrives, fans and teams alike will gain this tremendous confidence that the right call was made. But it seems like what we'll all lose is the urge to argue with the umpire over a bad call. So I'm wondering, if umpire heckling disappears and there's no longer managers to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, is baseball still baseball? It takes me back, Izzy, to that day in Charlotte. I was actually sitting down in the scout seats behind home plate because I wanted to see what Liam Hendricks' stuff looked like at a field level. And when that ball crossed over home plate, a fan yelled, Come on, Blue, that's a strike. And he didn't realize that because it was Thursday that it was not Blue who was making the call. It was a system and it was microprocessors and it was an earpiece into the ear of Cody Clark, the home plate umpire, that said ball. And 
So yeah, that element of the game of being able to dispute a call, that's part of sporting fandom, is it not? I, I know whether it's at a baseball game or a football game or a basketball game in particular, bitching and complaining at the officials is just part of the charm. Yeah. And to fully take that away, I'm sorry, but you know, yelling at another human being is acceptable. Yelling at a computer just makes you crazy. Saying, hey, microprocessor, that was a strike, <laughs> doesn't exactly feel the same. Yeah, it doesn't play. It does not work. <laughs> okay, Jeff. So you've been through the AAA experience. You've talked through the ABS experience. You've even written about it. What's your final theory on whether or not Major League Baseball needs this? I don't know that Major League Baseball needs robot umpires, Izzy. But I will say this. When there is an egregiously bad call, or even one that's just borderline, and the technology exists to right that wrong, I don't know why you wouldn't at very least give it significant consideration, especially when this is something in the challenge system that is embraced by the people who are playing the game, the people who usually are really reticent to change. Not embracing it just seems like the absolute height of ludism. And I, I don't understand why Major League Baseball would not look to that and embrace that and see that as a net positive. Well, maybe if they used artificial intelligence technology and made the umpires, the robot umpires, look human, <laughs> maybe we could all embrace it a little bit more. Jeff, I really liked your work on the minor leagues here, but don't stay there too long. I really enjoy you in the majors. Thanks for everything. I appreciate the call-up, Izzy. Thanks. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. Our show is produced by Bradford Craig, Alexander Hyacinth, Mike Johns, Heather Lombardo, Ryan Nantel, happy birthday this week, Ryan, Mike Philbrick, Andres Soto, Andy Tennant, and Aaron Vale. And happy birthday to Aaron, too. Special thanks this week to Deontay Epps and Jackson Agello. We'll talk to you Monday. <laughs> 